I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You guys know who this is? Yeah. Put that needle down. <laughs> no. No. Who is it? All done. Who is Olive? Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I just got my vaccine. And I will recommend it to anyone and everyone. Come with me if you want to live. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right back. Come with me if you want to donkey. live. He's so oh, big. Do you think he needs like two vaccines? <laughs> yes, 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 two vaccines. Yes, yes. Come with me. Yes, donkey. He, needs, he certainly needs two doses, right? Uh, <laughs> come with me. Yeah, so uh, Arnold, uh, big Arnold, got his vaccine and uh, and he's trying to, you know, trying to convince everyone to come with him if you want to live. That put is down, so put down the needle. Hilarious. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> he is such a caricature, man. It's so funny. But um, no, he's a political I, I, figure as well as an action icon, action movie icon. Like, well, it's so is Donald a, Trump. It's such an interesting, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Donald but Trump. Like, the but Donald Trump's icon. not an actor. Like, there's did you ever a difference see Don- between. Did, did you, no, yeah, he is. Did you ever see Donald Trump receive the fucking stole cold stunner in the middle of the ring? <laughs> right. I've never He's seen anyone take a stunner <laughs> as 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 violently as he did in that moment. How old was he when he? How old was he when he did this? When he got slammed? Jesus Christ! I don't know. Fuck. I wish 80, somebody would. 80, really how old is he now? Right now, I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I think he's 120. Yeah, he's at least. <laughs> um, yeah. So vaccines are getting fucking. Uh, they're getting. People are getting poked, uh, especially in the U.S. Um, Mr. Biden uh, made a promise to have one hundred million people vaccinated in a hundred days, which is seems pretty ambitious. I think things are moving much you know slower what? here in Canada. Um it's but, actually not ambitious in the US. They have already well, exceeded the yeah. daily average amount of and uh vaccines have already been more than a million. So yeah. hundred days. Let, let me let me clarify there. It sounds ambi- ambitious, but they yeah. are they seem to be doing it. Which is yeah. uh I you know uh geez. This is like the first time I felt like applauding the United States in the last four years. Isn't it yeah. crazy Isn't that, that nice? if you it is nice that if you if if we could do that at the same rate, we'd be done vaccinating Canada in like a, just over a month. 
Yeah, yeah. isn't that wild? Yeah. That's so yeah. wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Did you did you hear that um, people are calling it the vaccine? They're calling it the Fauci ouchie. <laughs> I did. Is that <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't yeah. a Brian dad joke? That was real. No, it's no, not a Brian dad joke. I think a three year old child came oh. up with that or something like that. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I love Twitter. Yeah. I do. I do <laughs> love. That's so that. sweet. That's so sweet. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's he's a America's daddy strang. You know, he is. Yeah, he's yeah, America. He he's America's daddy. Yeah. Really. And he looks so happy these days. Did you see the comparison of his face during uh, briefings with Biden versus briefings with Trump? Yeah. The Trump one, he's oh. like, he looks aged. He's doing a face palm. Yeah. And with Biden, he looks like it's his birthday. Yeah. He's, he's so happy. Did you guys Dig, digging did his you guys hands listen? into the, it, where his nose and eyes meet? Like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> they had Fauci on the daily and talking about like what it was really like within like the whole situation with Trump and like what the COVID uh, task force thing was all about. And man, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, like, I, like besides the, the only reason I want to, cause I, I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're fucking that, that Trump shit is over and we're moving on and <clears throat> politics isn't, hopefully isn't going to be the shit show that it has been. And so that we don't have to talk about it as much, <clears throat> but mm as it relates to COVID, that was pretty interesting. If you, you know, if you've been following the U S situation with COVID, then go and listen to, uh, was it Monday or Tuesday's episode of the daily Tuesday's this week? episode? Yeah, it was, yeah. it's crazy. It's I mean, you know, what's it, funny is, is I, uh, I listened to the daily on Monday and it was, uh, it was an episode about Alexei Navalny and I was really yeah. sick and tired of hearing about, fucking american politics on the daily every single day like i i honestly sort of like shut off from listening to the daily for a bit because it was so yeah repetitive and such a sideshow that it, it just like totally i just lost my interest and when i when i listened on monday and it was about the shit show of russian politics i was like oh yeah like this is what i'm into give me more of this and then it went back to the 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 Fauci episode on Tuesday was really interesting. This is what I'm but into. Like, Give me more oh, of this. Fun. I want to hear about the dictatorship <laughs> happening across the pond <laughs> there, where all those people are doing horribly. I love it. It was just nice that it was a story that I <laughs> that I didn't know much about for once because I yeah. feel like we've yeah. just been like getting the American politics and it was fascinating stuff shoved well, down our throats. Yeah. No shortage yeah, of pieces of shit out there, that's for sure. And uh, speaking well, of this pieces is feel of good shit, Friday. No. Uh, speaking of pieces of shit, here is a story that is uh, uh, such a bummer. Uh, no. Casino CEO and actress identified as a couple who flew to Yukon and got COVID-19 vaccines. Couple Rod and Ekaterina Baker. Ekaterina. Ekaterina? Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Perfect. <laughs> I've never seen Katerina with a capital E at the top of it. Ekaterina. Yeah, if they're from, Ekaterina, if they're, it's a uh, Russian name. Yeah, yeah. Speaking that of Russia, explains everything. A uh, couple, Rod right. and Ekaterina Baker, are accused of flouting COVID nineteen rules, lying about being local motel workers. This is this is man. It's so bizarre. This is these people are dumb dumbs. Uh, I know the the now former president and CEO of a Canadian casino company and his wife. Are the couple being accused of breaking Yukon COVID-19 rules and chartering a plane to the small community of Beaver Creek to receive doses of the Moderna vaccine? 
Rodney Baker, a 55-year-old who was then president of CEO of the Great Canadian Gaming Corporation, and Eka Eka Ekaterina Baker, a 32-year-old aspiring actress, both received tickets <laughs> at the Light Horse Airport. I didn't the laugh at it. The use of the word <laughs> aspiring. Yeah, you I, did. I the best. I did, no, no, you know I didn't, she's no, no. pissed somewhere. I didn't laugh at it. Lauren did. Okay. Uh, you, you know what's funny, though? Um, she, you know, I couldn't help myself. She must have been a pretty good actress. She must have been a pretty good actress to go hey, in there and present like a yeah. motel worker. This was, the, this was and forever will be the role of her lifetime. Uh, uh, they both received tickets at the White, White Horse Airport on January 21st, according to court records. Rodney Baker resigned from his positions on Sunday, so he stepped down from where he was. You about to lose your job. Guys, guys, is this, not, job. is this not, is this not, is this not like a, a stupid sitcom episode type of thing to do? Like, it's a very weird, he's the head of a gaming of a casino company. I mean, I, I'm not going to make the assumption that he's like super wealthy, but I'm, I'm making the assumption that he's wealthier than the average person. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, if you want the vaccine and you're wealthy again, making that assumption that he's a, that he's fairly wealthy it is, is, is pretending to be a motel worker in the Yukon your only the only avenue that you have as a wealthy person to try and get the vaccine early. I mean, I feel like there's other. I just gotta imagine there's other loopholes that you could exploit. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, you could exploit other loopholes, or you could just not be a piece of shit and wait your fucking turn because, yeah. like, you know, you could isolate for a bit. You like you you literally probably have enough money that you could just stay inside for the next six months and you'd be fine, and then get the vaccine well, when it- it's your turn. Well, apart from them taking doses from people in that community that need it, like, isn't it also partly that they didn't self-isolate for the two weeks and that so they could have gone spreading it in a community that, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, a smaller yeah. healthcare system. Like, it's just, I don't know. And people have been getting in trouble for doing that, not even just in within Canada, but also like going down to Florida and queue jumping <clears throat> for mm-hmm. their vaccines. It's yeah, a, so many layers. It's, it's a perfect example of, uh, of, of, it's a perfect example of people using just like a really disgusting use of privilege. And, uh, yeah. and, and then, and then on top of that being so fucking dumb about it, it says here, uh, the couple raised suspicions in Beaver Creek when they asked for a ride to the airport after getting their shots. And people were like, well, why would you be going to the airport? Like they arrive, and why would you? They're like, uh, taxi. We're going to Beaver Creek uh, Central Hospital, please. Roll up, get the fucking poke, and be like, uh, can anyone anyone here just like, uh, uh, excuse me, can you give me a ride to the airport? I got to go back to the airport. They're like, I'm trying to Who find the, the private plane terminal. Where's Beaver- the private? Where do the private planes take off from? I my jet is waiting for me. Can you please take me back there? <clears throat> Yeah, seems so seems, so, seems so crazy, fishy. dude. You know, guys. You know, I just want to. I just want to add as many current event and meme things into this oh, at God. the same Please time. Don't. And I just want to say that I'm sitting here like Bernie Sanders was at the inauguration, with my arms crossed, looking disappointed. And you know what? I think a lot of other people are feeling like that. And that's exactly why Wall Street bets exist. Oh, and that's why those oh, bros are is- are. <clears throat> are squeezing those shorts because of assholes like this guy who probably have a bunch of money in hedge funds. And that's why right, the right. whole world works well together. Wow. That Just was saying. pretty meme-tastic, Bray. Um, that's all the current event things from this week in one 
Yeah. In one in one statement. Spectacular. So yeah, yeah. great. Loving where this podcast is headed. Uh do you guys know what uh I think we talked about this on the show. Do you know what toxoplasmosis is? Or I do not toxoplasma gondi infection. Oh yes, I do know what that is. Right. So we I we we've we've kind of talked about this on the show before, but it's like uh and listen, folks, I'm no doctor, so don't quote me. But from what I gather, <laughs> it's like toxoplasmosis is is that it's like a uh it's a parasite that you can get from like cat cat shit or like or cat uh cleaning um, litter boxes. Yeah, oh, litter boxes. Oh, so no, it's like no, no. and no. they're like they're, no, they no, tell, no, is this the thing with the thing in the eye? No, 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 no. The worm in the eye? No, 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 no. No, this is a parasite <laughs> that, that they it's what they tell pregnant women not to not to Scoop go cat near litter. cat litter because you could get toxoplasmosis. And if you have it, I've, I, there's been like talk about like people who t- who have toxoplasmosis typically act a bit differently. Like the, like they're, yeah, make they're less crazy. risk averse. And um, hmm. anyway, so uh, actually here, let's just uh, what is toxoplasmosis? Toxoplasmosis is an infection. Caused by a single-celled parasite called Toxoplasma gondii. While the parasite is found throughout the world, more than 40 million people in the United States may be infected with the Toxoplasma parasite. The Toxoplasma parasite can persist for long periods of time in the bodies of humans and other animals, possibly even for a lifetime. Of those who are infected, however, very few have symptoms because a healthy person's immune system usually keeps the parasite from causing illness. However, pregnant women and individuals who have compromised immune systems should be cautious. For them, a toxoplasma infection could cause serious health problems. So there's there's that, but then there's you know there's a bunch of like, uh, and I don't know if this is speculation or not, but there's like people people being more being more risky behaviors and like you know acting acting differently. But I saw this, which I thought was kind of in- interesting, and this is a. Uh, a study, a uh, cancer epidemiology study um, that says Toxoplasma gondii infection and the risk of adult glioma in two prospective studies. So uh, I, I thought I'd bring a study to the table today because later in the episode. You're a doctor. Well, well, there's, Dude, I, mean, I love studies. There is that. I'm, I am an honorary doctor somewhere in some universe. Um, but later in the episode, we throw to our conversation with Science Sam. And uh, we talk all about studies and we talk about communicating science. And, you know, that's uh, that is one thing that we probably have no place in in, in doing. But we uh, but we do our best in bringing you the folks who can communicate science to you. But I thought I'd bring this little study to you guys to get your thoughts on what you think. All right. So here we go. Toxoplasma Gandhi. Short for uh, the short end would be T. Gandhi is a common parasite that shows affinity to neutral tissue or sorry, neural tissue. Maybe I should learn how to fucking read first before I get yeah, this study. Yeah, in. that would be a good prerequisite. <laughs> and may lead to the formation of cysts in the brain. Oh. Previous epidemiologic, epidemiologic studies yeah, have got, suggested yeah. uh-huh. an association between glioma and increased prevalence of T. Gandhi infection, but prospective studies are lacking. Therefore, we examine the association between Pre-diagnostic T. Gandhi antibodies and risk of glioma in two prospective cohorts using a nested case control study design. Cases and matched controls were selected from the American Cancer Society Cancer Prevention Study, number two, nutrition cohort, 
or the CPS two NC and equaling 37 cases and 74 controls. And the Norwegian cancel red cancer registries, Jonas Serum bank, Jonas and equaling 323 cases and 323 controls. Jared, can I give you a piece of advice? This is boring the fuck out of me. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to talk about studies on this podcast, you got to read it and then summarize it in a way that everybody understands. Well, let me put it this way. In both cohorts, a suggestive increase in glioma risks was observed <laughs> among those infected with T. Gandhi or 2.70, semicolon 95% CL, colon 0.96-7.62 guys, CPS2. Guys, dash what does it mean? <laughs> guys, we need a science communicator to explain this to us. I just want to say... We Jared, need somebody to communicate glioma. the science. Is it glioma or glioma? Someone please send help. I mean, it depends. I glioma. I guess it probably depends on where you're from, yeah, right? Yeah, glioma. Glioma. Yeah, in the UK, it's <laughs> glioma. It's like uh, glioblastomas. <laughs> yeah. Right, glioblastoma. <laughs> do you guys feel? Do you guys feel like? Do you guys feel like there could possibly be somebody out there who could like read this study and and like really glean something from it and then kind of regurgitate it out in like super layman's terms for the average person to understand like maybe absolutely, like absolutely or something like that absolutely not no there's no one i feel like there there, no one that i feel exists like i feel like that. well i feel like there'd be a job for that do you you know if there was a job for that what would that be called what would that role be called like well, I think a, it'd probably be something along the lines of like a science communicator like using pro- yeah you know, that's like what i was leverage, thinking leveraging social leveraging social platforms kind of thing no, I doubt it. Yeah. It would be cool if we could have an expert on the show to talk about that. That would be interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a great idea. Yeah. It's a great idea you had there. Yeah. Maybe we yeah. should just like snap yeah. our fingers and use the magic of uh, production to just like throw to a conversation with the science communicator. In <laughs> <laughs> three, two, one. <laughs> Here we are. Here we I'm are. so excited, as always, uh, but even more excited uh, this week than, than normal because we are sitting down with our new friend, Science Sam, a.k.a. Samantha Yamin. How do you think our past guests feel about Nailed you it. saying that, Jer? <laughs> you know what? I say it every single time. And so I feel like, um, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they feel, but I think, they, I think everyone who is on the show should know. This them showing up on the show is what makes me keep doing. You this. just I'm have just so fucking you, excited. You have a genuine excitement about talking to people about all sorts of things, and in particular, uh, science, which we're going to dive into science. today. Yes, but in particular, I love talking to people about science, especially when they know what they are talking about because as the three of us know we don't know anything <laughs> and so that's where sam is coming in bro uh, science. sam bro is science. a we know bro science for sure yeah yeah but sam knows real science uh as she is a neuroscientist specializing in cell biology and the big part here is um sam you're also a science communicator um for someone who's like never heard that term science communicator what does that mean 
It is a funky little term, but essentially it means that I like to tell stories about science, no matter who it's to, who it's with. And importantly, I like to tell stories more so in conversation where people can feel comfortable chatting and, and learning and asking questions. And it's a back and forth. Mm. That's sweet. I'm, I, you've inspired me to change all of my social media tags to bro science, Brian. I feel oh, like God. that's, oh, that's a, good. I feel that's like good. I feel like I can really run Is with it? That. Uh, no, you don't Just have to tell him that's good. I mean, reflect. I'm not going to follow it because I don't relate to that. But like, it's good for you. <laughs> yeah, you do you, Brian. Yeah, yeah you do you, you, bro you do science, Brian. That's what the world needs is more bros. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Bro science, Brian. More, keg, I more keg crushers. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm sorry. But I guess I guess we should say though that uh Science Sam, you've amassed quite a quite a following on Instagram. And uh uh you I, I mean I fill me in. Like i guess this this year, this past year, um has been uh, quite a year for you in terms of um communicating uh all there is to communicate about COVID. Um, what did, what did work or life as a science communicator look like for you before we were, um, chucked into the middle of a, a global pandemic? It was a lot more joyful. I'll start with that. I mean, I started talking about science online and sharing it because I was always fascinated with the everyday awe of science. It, it really brings this extra lens to how you see the world and just knowing that, you are trillions of cells and that's what makes you a person. And that was what I loved to share with people. That kind of awe and wonder we usually have for the cosmos, we should also have it for the universe within. Mm. And so that was my kind of bread and butter before the pandemic. I was just like, science is so cool. Biology is awesome. And I never wanted to make biology about health all the time because while that's an important relationship, biology and health, you know, biology is supposed to help us take care of ourselves better, yes. But I think it's also more than that. And it's important that we realize that sometimes there are just fundamental questions and curiosities that are worth pursuing. And so I really wanted to share biology without sharing the scary. And then the pandemic hit and I mm. felt an obligation, a responsibility to, to help make it less scary. Mm. And it also became a mm -hmm. coping mechanism for me <laughs> to mm. be less scared mm. by talking to people about it. So life looked pretty different back then. It was a lot more joyful. I think that we can probably safely say that. I, I think we, I share this same sentiment for sure with mm. with our podcast and what we're like. You know, we obviously weren't preparing for a global pandemic in uh, 2020 when you know when we sat down at the end of 2019 and said like, what do we want to do in 2020? Oh we were <laughs> like, we, it's a new decade. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys want to talk about a global pandemic every week and how the world oh. is going slowly, you know, collapsing all around us, but also like all the inspiring stories that come like, you know, it, it would have been great totally if we crazy. were a doom, if we were a doomsday podcast, <laughs> we would have been totally ready. We would have been like, we saw this coming, you know, it would have been, it just would have been nothing. We would have been I think going with the flow, but the, you're right. We weren't, we weren't prepping for it. The, the thing I would say is that is interesting is that, you know, this podcast has been a, a massive coping me mechanism for me going through the pandemic because, you know, we talk to a lot of experts, scientists who can shed a lot of light on, on the situation. So e even though there are certainly things to be afraid of, um, a lot of that fear for me has been sort of, um, it's, it's been 
turned down a notch because of the conversations that we've been able to have here, though, I, you know, at the same time, my eyes have opened to a lot of the, the problems, you know, that we're facing that our, that our society and healthcare systems are yeah. not addressing at the same time. So it's, it's certainly been mm-hmm. a bit of a balancing act, but, but, but there's but, been that obligation, right? Like, like, mm-hmm. because I, I feel like there probably was a, a point in, uh, like March ish where we were saying, well, let's talk about it, but let's not make it like, we don't want it to be, we don't want it to start dominating, but then it kind of yeah. just, you're, you are, it, you kind of dominated our the lives. space that you're dominated in, like, when you're in a health yeah. space or a science space, like you are in this reality where the people that you're speaking to are, you know, they need information, they need accurate information, they need, ex- they need information from experts, which we are not, but we talk to experts. Um, and, and so you kind of just, you kind of just slot into the, into the, into place, like a, like a game of Tetris and you, you know, you, you, you play the role that you need to play. And, and that was definitely a, a weird thing that happened for us in 2020 and, and sounds like happened to you as well, Sam. Yeah. Sam, one, one thing you did say though, is that, you know, you, you have a passion for communicating, especially through conversation. And so how much, how much of, of, how much of your audience's participation in that conversation played a role in you deciding to put so much coverage into um, the things that we should be knowing about COVID? It's a huge, it it plays a huge role and it guides my priorities and what I talk about and what I don't talk about. Because to me, like good science communication is all about the audience right? And you're always thinking, you know, people aren't empty vessels just waiting to be filled with science information. That's just (laughs) not how it works. People are active participants in the world and science affects the world. So people have questions. And I think to be a good science communicator, you acknowledge that people are, the people you want to talk with are part of the equation. So they got to drive sometimes the topics. So I spend a lot of time in direct messages on Instagram, which is my main platform. And I, and I see what people are asking and I can't reply to every single one. So then if enough people are asking about something, I realize I got to make something that can serve as a reference for the future people asking this question. Um, and I'll often do surveys in my Instagram's great because it's so multimedia. So I can do surveys and just ask people like, what's on your mind? Like, what are you concerned about? Mm. What do you care less about? And you start to see themes emerging. And I Mm. think that's really key as, as science communicators and anyone wanting to share any topic is like, what, what's on people's mind? Cause you got to think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs almost like what, what's the thing people need to get past before they can move on to be interested in other things. Mm-hmm. And when it comes like the pandemic is the thing people can't get past and can't stop focusing on. So what's the thing that's the roadblock for people? Let's talk about that. Then we can talk about other things too. Then mm-hmm. I can tell you what I think you should know, but I got to address mm-hmm. what's burning in your mind first. Otherwise how, why would you pay attention to anything else? Do you, do you find that you put a lot of emphasis in communicating with the people who reach out to you and, and want to hear from you? And the reason why I ask that question is because I imagine that it's also really important as a science communicator to reach the people that might be resistant or hesitant to learning about the scientific mm. aspect of specifically COVID-19 because there's a lot of, I think, science deniers and I like I feel this sort of overwhelming anxiety when I think about <laughs> trying to reach those people. And, you know, you have anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers or people who are, you know, severely vaccine hesit- hesitant. And you want to try to convert those people. But 
you know, sometimes it feels like an impossible uh, task is, is like, do you, do you try to balance your time focused on communicating with the people who want to hear from you and also those who might not? It's a really important, it's a really important point. And it's one that catch me on a different day and I might have a different answer, but in general, (laughs) I would say, um, there's a really, just to alleviate your anxiety there, there's a really loud minority of people who are like true science deniers, like true anti-vaccine spreading disinformation, spreading straight up lies about Mm. science. That's a very loud and powerful minority. So it's become, it's really easy to feel like that's the majority of people or like Mm -hmm. it's a growing population, but there's a lot of research to suggest it's still a pretty stable minority. Um, where I try to focus, and, and it's, I think it's important we reach those people, we have conversations, because a lot of those people have those ideologies for very valid reasons. They've been, they're feeling, you know, financially or economically insecure, and they feel isolated. They have historical or cultural reasons why authorities <laughs> and them don't jive. They've been ostracized, what have you. Um, a lot of like government mistrust for valid reasons. People who haven't been taken care of by the government. So I think we need to talk with those people, even though they are a minority, but I focus the bulk of my uh, energy on what we call the movable middle. People Mm -hmm. who are just overwhelmed, they have the best intentions. They sometimes, because of how social media works, come across the disinformation and the misinformation, and they really just don't know like what to believe and what's real, what isn't. And ultimately they're just, they just have questions. So Mm -hmm. that is, um, a large amount of proportion of people. I don't know the, I can't, it's hard to say the exact number, but it is, it is a, a, a large chunk of people. And that's who I kind of write for. Plus I try to layer in just enough detail that the people who are super pro science can now act as ambassadors. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I like to say like, here is information I'm giving you for free. If you like it, share it and become an ambassador for, for science, because then we can reach more and more people and I have an open policy of like, you can ask me anything. There are no, my, my um, supervisor in the, in the lab would always say there are no bad questions, just bad answers. <laughs> so I really try to embody, like, you can ask me anything. I'm not going to judge you. I don't care if you had a party, let's just talk now about what you can do next. It's done. Mm. So that's what I try to think of, like, who's that middle? <clears throat> and then how can I also support people who are passionate to be, um, voices to spread it further. Cause it can't just be me. It's gotta be everyone. I, I won't be the mm. right person to reach everyone anyway. So we got to like make a team effort yeah. mm-hmm. to, uh, to piggyback on, to piggyback on, on, on Bri's question there. Like we've been in it, it when it's so, e- it's so much easier to, to pay attention and to like kind of see the volume of, of the negative aspects of something like, you know, the, you know, you get, uh, you know, you post something on Instagram, for example, and you get a hundred comments and 99 of them are positive, but one of them's negative and you just kind of like zero in on the, on the negative, on the, on the, the negativity, yep. uh, and you, you can obsess over that. And I think, and I would say from my, from where I said, I would say that we've, we've done that pretty heavily in 2020 in terms of like, like you said, you know, there's a, there's a vocal, there's a, a very, a very vocal minority of, uh, of people, but would you, as, 
as somebody who is communicating science using social media platforms, which, you know, we know, we all know can be very inhospitable places for, uh, uh, people who well, like to comment, like unbearable, um, atrocious. Um, yeah. do you think it, you know, is 2020, is 2020 from from where you sit a net positive for for science amid amid the uh, amid the amid all the negative shit? You know, like like Bryce said, like all the people that are you know the 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 vast number like within in the face of the vaccine conversation, especially. I mean, you know, it just seems like everybody and their grandmother's got their own uninformed opinion and. Um, ranging from, you know, fairly logical to totally batshit. And, um, yeah, wh where, where do you, where do you see 2020 as a, as a, as a net gain or loss for, for science? It's tough because especially when it comes to public health, um, I heard someone say it's a victim, especially vaccines. They're a victim of their own success. When public health strategies work, nothing bad happens or fewer bad mm, things happen. Mm. And everything seems like it was blown out over proportion, out right. of proportion. So it's, I think we've seen, and there have been like, there's been so much interesting data about public perceptions of science over the past year that I've been trying to keep up with, but there's really a new study like every day. Um, people have had changing sentiments about science. People haven't really become more mistrustful. It doesn't seem like of science. So in that sense, I think people see the value of science. Um, and I think people have learned a lot. I think next time something like this happens, which I hope doesn't, but like it could and it probably will. Mm. Hopefully now we understand the tools and we understand, okay, it's a changing thing and who are the experts. The challenge though is that we're seeing in real life the politics in science. Yeah. Science can't be apolitical. Nothing is apolitical. Everything is political. Mm. Um, it should be nonpartisan, but it's absolutely influenced by politics and society as it should be because mm -hmm. it's our world, part of our world. But I think it's been confusing for people to dissociate what's the politics and what's the science. People mm -hmm. are saying, well, lockdowns don't work because look, and it's like, well, it's because they didn't do them how they should have, according mm -hmm. to the science. And that's the... That's a little bit of the negative I would say that we've seen is what well, people have learned a lot, which is great. Overwhelmingly, people still trust science, if not a little more, which is great. People are also seeing advancements in science with the mRNA vaccine, which has been amazing and a huge success. And I hope we properly celebrate one day. Mm -hmm. But then there's been like this politicization of science that has been really negative in a lot of ways and also confused the success stories and the, oh. the failures in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So that's where it gets messy. How, how, yeah. how, how well can, or is, is it the role of a, a science communicator to a certain extent to be careful about how you present um, the science too? Because I heard this phrase that came up a lot um, as the sort of our knowledge of the pandemic grew. You, you would hear people say, oh, the science has changed or the science mm -hmm. has changed. But it, it, to my understanding, it's not that the science has changed, it's that we learned more and applied yes. it in a new way. So like you would hear the WHO made this statement about how the virus reacts to X, Y, or Z, and then that information would quote unquote 
change, you know, a few weeks or a month later, but was it really that the science was quote unquote changing or was it that we were learning more and refining how we reacted and, and treated the virus? If this is what you post on broscience.brian, maybe I will follow. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly, I made a, I made a video, I think in the summer showing um, how science is like a puzzle. Each new study is just one puzzle piece. And if you try to imagine you're building a puzzle, but you don't know what the end picture is supposed to be. If you start to make a conclusion too fast, when you only have three puzzles of pieces assembled, you're not, you're going to guess incorrectly at what the full, you might get it right, but you probably will be wrong at what the full picture is. Mm -hmm. So if we're too microscopic in our, in our view and interpretation of single studies, yeah, you're right. Like it's the science hasn't changed. We just learned more because we should have mm -hmm. never uh, been so confident in a single study anyway. Mm -hmm. The science, like I hate the term the science says or research shows. Like it's like, well, what do you mean? Was it a single study that hasn't been reproduced yet in other labs? And what was the context of that study? Because every mm -hmm. bit of research is so specific, right? And I think this is like one big lesson for media and the news cycle, I would really hope in the future that we stop reporting on single studies in general. Mm -hmm. They're cool and it's interesting to see how they're done, but the best journal science journalists, the Ed Youngs, um, the, the Apoorva, the Julia Ballous, like all the people who I really, really look to, uh, Zainab Tufeci, they never reference just one study. They reference many and they build the story. And mm -hmm. that's what it needs to be when we talk about science, because then we'll mm. say, okay, this is the science. This is what the consensus is now amongst experts based on these five studies that each covered enough of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Now we can see the picture. Before just looking at one, it's like, what does that even tell us? This was in a lab setting. What does that have to do? This was in a dish. What does that have to do with a pandemic? Mm -hmm. you know? It's it's almost mm -hmm. like you have to be really cautious in presenting because I, I imagine that somebody who is really excited about science like you are, when you hear about a single study, you might be really excited or interested in some of the results because of these different scientific reasons. But then as soon as you start to share that with the public at large, you have to be care careful sort of how they interpret it and the, the language and words that you choose. I know that on bro science, Brian, I'm, I, I would be very flippant in how I use my language to describe different things. And I imagine that you as science, Sam, have to be very um, calculated in, in sort of the way that you, and, and maybe calculated is the wrong word, but, but very thoughtful in the language that you use to mm -hmm. present different science and information that, that comes out. Yeah. And I, I like, I'll just call myself out here. I have also, even though I just said we should never report on single studies, I think like a week or two uh, recently sometime, I made a TikTok video about one graph in a preprint, which is not even peer reviewed. So I broke my own rule. It was mm -hmm. one graph. It seemed really important. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do think there's room, like you're saying to, to share it, but being cautious with the language mm -hmm. just to make it clear, like, because I, I think it's important for people to know how we come to know a fact because it is really just like the, there's such an elegance. It's like really beautiful. That's the creativity of science. It's like, how do you design an experiment to properly rule out all the potential hypotheses so that you can approximate the truth a little better? That's mm. really what you're doing with a study. And it is kind of cool to be able to be like, let's like nerd out about this graph because it's so cool. Um, <laughs> but then it, what you're saying is, is what has to come in with that is 
this is a clue. Mm -hmm. This tells us this, but it leaves this option open still. Here's what needs to be next. And then people start to see like, oh, I see the process. Yeah. I see what to ask next time. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And it feels like, it feels like, you know, I guess the thing, <clears throat> the thing that provides you the platform to speak to so many people and to disseminate information to people can also kind of be like, can, and it can also be the Achilles heel to, to information as well in the way that, you know, if, this was pre-internet, you know, you've got, um, you, you might have a study or something that's being done that, you know, the information made available about what's going on with that study is like very limited until it's reached its conclusion or maybe until several studies on the topic have been done. Whereas now, I mean, I mean, think about the, especially with the, with the crazy example of like the vaccines, at, like we were sort of privy to like each and every step of the vaccines as they were developed. So almost like in real time. And it's like layers of critique lay on each at each like intersection of these things. And, and we're able to, you know, in, and, and instead of, of going, Hey, this is a clue. Like we're giving, we're being given a little piece of information here and let's see how, Let's see how it evolves to the next step and, and what information that provides down the line because that's going to be really interesting. Not definitive, but but very interesting. And exactly. and then you get, but but then you get like Twitter and Instagram, and, <laughs> and it's like it's out there. And then all of a sudden, it's just like you know this inhospitable uh, place for <laughs> where people like to comment. I mean, it's like the layers and layers of of well, this is how I this is how I see it. Like living in this world of alternative facts, uh, is such a weird, is such a weird place to, to be. And, um, you know, it seems like in 2019, 2020, we just kind of evolved into this place where everybody, everybody, everybody seems to get to interpret facts differently, yeah. which is, which has been this really weird turn of events in the evolution of the internet and, and then all of a sudden then like slap a global pandemic on top of that. And it's like this perfect storm for, for people to, to like really rush to conclusions. seems like there's very little, if any at all, patience for, to, to wait for that puzzle to be done. And that's what I think the role of, science communication is, especially on social media, it's, you'll have the, the overview and, and the broad message, the message for a broad audience in, in, in news stations and, and, um, science articles and 
your favorite journals. Uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? News outlets. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> News outlets. Um, you'll have like that kind of broad message where I think science communicators can come in is to get into that nitty gritty you're talking about and to discuss things that way. If people start to play with how they want to interpret what the broad message was, those who were interested enough to find science communicators directly can now be like, well, you calculated case fatality ratio using a made-up denominator, and that's why it looks like no one's dying when people are. Like, right. I think mm. I think they're complementary, and I think they're all really important. You have the big general message for people who just want the bottom line, don't care about the details, that's important. And then for the people who want to layer in and dissect, we're here. We're like, let's do it. Let's dive into this. Mm. And now you'll be able to think critically so that next time you see some nonsense on social media, you'll be able to spot it and you'll be able to report it as false information, which mm -hmm. if people take one thing away from this episode, please don't just get angry with misinformation you see on social media, report it as, as false information, which you can do on Instagram. Twitter needs to get its act together on that. Mm -hmm. um, report it and make sure it gets taken down. And instead for every crappy thing you see, Go share something that's credible science. That way, we can Ooh. signal boost the stuff that's important yeah. and not the noise. What are your What are your influences? Like when I hear science communicator, my like I go to I go to like the Bill Nye's. Dude, that's the, what I think of too. The, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson's, Carl Sagan's. Like, I mean, I I I, I just remember I'm just having flashbacks to like yeah. grade yeah. four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, did you yeah. did you uh, you know, are those, are those, are those types of people, um, you know, influences on you both in like, I guess in science and in, and in like getting it out there. And I mean, I, I feel, I feel like science communicators have a, a very special, a very special role in society. Um, and I say that from the place of somebody who couldn't have given less of a shit about science when I was in like junior high and high school, but then later on kind of like rediscovering people like Bill Nye who were like, Hey, let's mm -hmm. make this fun and give you something, give you this like cool scenario in which science plays a major role and explain to you how that works and why it's, and why it's interesting. Like what, yeah. What are your, what are your influences? Yeah. I mean, I definitely grew up uh, watching Bill Nye in the classroom and <clears throat> That was my, actually my, my cousins would make fun of me and call me Bill Nye, like as a joke, which I, <laughs> didn't bother me. Cause I was like, cool. Yeah. High praise. <laughs> Seems like, yeah. I'm like, great. Um, and definitely also Miss Frizzle. Like I love yeah. school bus Frizzle. growing Ooh. up. Yeah. Uh, and Lily Tomlin, such an icon. So I definitely, um, I definitely look to always have loved those people. And so they've of course been a natural influence. But then I'm also really inspired by the way mm. that activists organize online and and create movements and create and really educate on complex topics. Especially last year, we saw so many people wake up to the need for the Black Lives Matter movement and the way that people were distilling really complex histories and and social inequalities through like Instagram posts that you swipe through. It was just mm -hmm. such a phenomenal to me. Like I was like, these people are good. That's what I need to do with science content. Mm -hmm. um, and so I take inspiration from those, even beauty bloggers and people like that, YouTubers, uh, beauty YouTubers and stuff like that, the way that they just make <clears throat> things fun and 
make it feel so personal so that you feel like this person's your friend. Mm. To me, Mm. I'm like, I care about this person and what they have to say just because I have a connection to them. Mm -hmm. And so I've definitely taken inspirations from the great science communicators, definitely try to keep up with the, the research on best practices for science communication. There's tons of it. But I also look to other fields and what's effective for making content that's relatable and approachable and fun to uh, to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when you, when you open up like that, there's like so much cool, then you get to have fun and experimental. Like there's people like uh, Darian Nguyen, uh, Lab Shenanigans on TikTok. He's hilarious. And he explains science through viral TikTok memes mm-hmm. in a way that like, I could never do because I'm not funny enough. <laughs> and so it just, I think those creative types are, that's such a weird thing to it's, say. It's, it's pretty, <laughs> but that's what inspires me. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Like when, uh, you know, Bri, Bri, Brian and I and his brother, we used to make videos like when YouTube first came out. Oh, we were OG like, YouTube. We were like 12, 13 like years old, maybe wow. something like that. And we were, you know, we, they were, we, bad. we, we you know, we were making 12 year old, 12, 12, 12 year old, you know, children videos, but, um, it, but seeing, and then obviously Instagram is like what, 2012, 2013 starts to become kind of popular and you, <clears throat> and it comes out in platforms like this. And this is something that like, you know, tech innovation is, is so incredible for as you see this. And it seems like it's got this seems like it's got this very fairly narrow use and like mm-hmm. method of use. And then you see people and that's kind of like what I'm hearing and what you just said there, Sam is like looking to not just science communicators, not people who are doing the exact same thing that you're doing, but like anybody who's presenting information of any kind and using these like multimedia platforms to like in these really interesting and creative ways Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like I remember the first time I saw someone's Instagram page where like their feed of photos was like one photo and I was like, Whoa, (laughs) I never even thought of that. Right. I mean, I personally, I hate those because you get get, like just one photo that's their eyebrows. (laughs) No, but I'm just joking. I I totally agree. Like people who are experimental with a medium, creating content online for broad consumption is so stressful. You have to be so vulnerable. It's, it's like an art form of its own that I'm still always learning. And people who, who disrupt and do things in a new way, I'm just like power to you, no matter how cringe it's cool. We all should have a little more fun online instead of making it so hostile. As a, as a creator, is there anything that you've attempted that, uh, that you were like, I think this is, I think this is it. And then, uh, and then like very soon after was like, fuck, gotta go back and delete that. (laughs) I don't know, like one in five posts. (laughs) So sometimes I'm just like, I think this is so like, I can kind of tell what formats will do well and what won't. Like I have at this point some kind of sense. Is like right now, for example, mm. it's there's no secret. I'll tell you those like green screen style TikToks and um, or mm-hmm. Instagram Reels for explaining headlines is like it's such a great medium. It always does really mm. well. And these swipe through posts where like you learn a little bit of the mm. story with each swipe. Those do really well. But sometimes I'll be like, oh, this is going to be juicy. People are going to love this. I can't wait to get out there. I'm I'm having so much fun. And then I'll show my partner who's, he's interested in science, but like not, not as interested as I am. (laughs) And he'll be like, oh, that's not good. 
no one cares about this. Just get to this part. And I'll be like, no, you don't know anything. And then he's right. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so now yeah. I like use him as a vet. I'm like, is this, is this good? He's like, right. cut this, cut this. He's um, like, I, I am know. the audience. I had yeah, to. it's true. And he'll, he'll play that card. He'll be like, well, I'm your target audience. So <laughs> yeah, I know right, best. Right. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, I yeah. Feel, you never know. <laughs> I, I feel you. I, we made a TikTok and well, I made a TikTok for no, Sick Boy. No, you I, did. I did. I'll own it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I made like a 10 part series debunking anti-vax misinformation and oh, I loved creating nice. it and I every time I watched one of them back I was like this TikTok is gonna go viral this is so good and then there would be like 20 views and then I just deleted right? the sick boy TikTok oh no <laughs> You, I you was just compar- gonna say I want, I want to see it. I'll I know. Share it. I, I, honestly, it's because Brian's been because... comparing himself to Nahid, Nahid Dasani. He's just oh like, if I gosh. can't do what Nahid does, Nahid. then I love Nahid. Fuck yeah. Well, me. I yeah. I knew Nahid great. set the bar so high that I knew I would never be as yeah. as great as Nahid. But but yeah, I was, none of us I, can be. I was hoping to like you know at least support in some way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Sam, I have a I have a question uh, that has actually come in from our Patreon community, um, oh. and it's funny I. Th- I, I had figured we would be talking more about COVID, but this is—it's it, all so interesting just to talk about the the ins and outs of the communication of science and the importance of science communication and and what you've created and everything that you've experienced in it. So I'm really glad that we've kind of stuck to this. Um, and this question, I think, is a, a really really interesting one. It comes from Sadie, um, and she has been a uh, a science teacher for ten years. Um, And her question is, uh, do you feel like your gender and or level of attractiveness has affected your career, especially in terms of how people receive your science education? Wow, Sadie, (laughs) really? I know. (laughs) Really digging in there. I know. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, for sure. I think gender um, expression, people have so many fixed notions of we have made so many stereotypes based on someone's gender ex- expression. I'm someone who presents like very feminine, uh, and I I don't yeah you know, I have up talk. I do all the things that like you shouldn't do. Uh, I play with my hair sometimes, whatever. Uh, I wear makeup and funky clothes and lots of jewelry sometimes. So people will have a, a perception that someone who cares about those things is not that smart, is shallow. Um, is not reliable. I've had, I've, I've been booked for TV gigs where I'd be going as a science guest expert. And they told me like, just don't wear that eyeliner you always wear. And I'm like, why? Why? Because like, that's just, but then, and then I'll show up on set and they'll be like, Oh, just be yourself. And I'm like, myself is like moonlighting as a drag queen. Basically that is me. (laughs) So what do you really want here? So it absolutely has impacted, um, people's first impressions, but at the same time, and that, you know, this needs to change. We need to move on from gender stereotypes and gender binary and like all this crap. But at the same time, it's also made me so assertive. And so like, I've had to adapt. People shouldn't have to lean in and shouldn't have to do those things and have all these compensatory things that we do to get respected. We should just be respected. But at the same time now, I know it's made me really assertive. Um, it's given me all these other things. Uh, it's it's made me have to work on other things. And it also means that I can reach people who never had science content made for them in the past. The fact that the TV people don't want someone super feminine means that people who do identify with, with me 
wouldn't probably identify with the host on those shows. Mm. And so now just being myself and being how I am and being authentic in that way, that's opening up the world of science for a bunch of people who've always felt a lack of representation. Yeah. And so this, yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. when Tay, when Tay mentioned the, the people that stuck out to him, I, one thing that I just noticed was like, it was, it was three men, right? Neil deGrasse yeah. Tyson, uh, uh, Bill Nye and Carl Sagan. And I was like, when you said that Tay, I was like thinking, who are, who are the women? Who are the women that stood in that role? When you said Miss Frizzle, though, yeah. I was like, I, I yeah. thought of Miss Frizzle, but then I yeah. also I was having the same thought as you, Jaren. I thought, but Miss mm. Frizzle is a cartoon character. Cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give Aww. you some real real life uh, women and queer people. There's Emily Calandrelli. There's Danny Washington. There's um, oh uh, Jessica Malati Rivera. There's Laurel Bristow. There's Kenny Hutchinson, who uh, is awesome as well. There's so many. That's and that's the cool thing mm. about. Um, that's the cool thing about social media is that there's no gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. So you can have people who historically haven't been given the mic, taking the mic for themselves. That's Mm. a double-edged sword, but it means that we can have representation that's actually diverse so we can reach all people, right? Like the fact that we've always typically had like white guys be science presenters and like nerdy quirky that's the vibe if you like science now we can reach more people because we have more voices for science and it mm-hmm. needs to be more than me it needs to be many many people mm-hmm. yeah there is yeah, like is there, so so important there is it, it social media i mean i am i am i adore social media and i despise social media at the exact same time and for so yep. many different reasons and what you're just talking about is one of the reasons why it is such an incredible and invaluable tool is that you know this it used to be you know you needed to be uh you know asked uh or given the opportunity to be on the radio or to be on a tv show or to mm-hmm. you know and now you can make your own podcast and you can make your own instagram page twitter page yeah. facebook group you can like have your own YouTube show. You can like, you can build something from almost nothing. And it's, and, and, and again, like, like having no gatekeeping people who, people who, Mm -hmm. who historically were not given that opportunity because of this, that, and the other, whatever it might've been, whether it was race or gender or sexual identity, whatever, you know, fill in the blank can, can take up the, can use these tools to, to, to represent and to build audiences of people that, that feel like those people are representing them. And it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I was watching a, a Skillshare. I'll, the one thing I'll say before we wrap is I was watching the Skillshare course on how to be a great presenter. And the, the first, um, <laughs> the first class that I watched, there was this guy talking about, he was a, he's actually a quite well-known journalist and a TV reporter. And he was talking about this idea that, uh, it's important in television, especially if you're working for a local network, to talk with a certain cadence yeah. and talk without an accent so that you're basically the voice from nowhere, I think he called it, so that mm. you could move around to different networks and people would still trust you in those different locations because mm. you didn't sound like you were somebody who was not from there. <laughs> and the, the, I, 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 I just had this feeling thing? when I was watching it that was like, <laughs> I don't want to... I don't want to talk like that. Like, I don't want to be that person. I want want to be myself. And (laughs) I had this like sort of conflicting opinion of it because 
I realize that it, it's it's a privilege in a sense to think that you don't need to present yourself in a certain way to be respected, but mm-hmm. also why can't we all just be respected for our own unique qualities? And I think that that's one of those things that a platform like YouTube or like social media can provide. We can, you know, <laughs> we can be appreciated and respected for who we are as individuals rather than for this like artificial sort of persona that we try to portray. Yeah. And if you look at a lot of the misinformation videos that have circulated this past year, it's like almost always a guy in a car in a hoodie <laughs> because that at, at this angle, like, this yeah, angle. yeah. And it's, it's like <laughs> just his chin. looking up his chin. <laughs> yeah. But just, just like a note on like a lesson for us to learn is it feels so authentic and real. How could he be lying? He's so chill. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's the, that's where I think it, sometimes we do need to just reach the masses and be you know, as palatable to as many as possible, but we also need to foster authenticity and be real and mm. then just have the diverse enough representation to cover everybody we're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a big lesson learned and we'll see, we'll see what happens in the next decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. You guys can, I, uh, in, in the next decade, you can definitely find me on Instagram as bro so I'll be trying I to support change. it now. I support it. None of the other guys support you. So I'm like, now I'm team they Brian. Never do. They never Brian, do. Uh, Brian, I really do hope you change your Instagram handle to that. Um, uh, listen, before we wrap, there is one thing that I do want to kind of touch on really quickly. Um, as we all know, uh, I mean, she's outside of this beautiful, fortunate little bubble that we have somehow created here in Atlantic Canada, outside of here. COVID is fucked um, and, and the numbers are rising and there's a lot of, um, a lot of confusion. And, um, you know, one thing that I thought we were going to kind of touch on today a little bit was like how um, a, lot of, a lot of the numbers are really big in, in a younger population, um, uh, people in their 20s. And, you know, people are, are back to school and there's, there's you know, it's, it's, it's winter. We want to socialize, but... It's hard to make those decisions. You know, we don't want to put people at risk. Um, Sam, I know that you made a really, uh, really cool uh, and really fun COVID risk assessment quiz that was peer reviewed. Um, and I took a look at it, at it today before we started. And I think it's like just such a, such a valuable tool, um, especially for people right now who are trying to make decisions on what they do with their day-to-day lives while trying to, you know, dodge a fucking Ugh, respiratory virus. Virus. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. virus that would really knock them Ugh. out. So can you, can you tell us about how you put that together and, and where people can find this COVID risk assessment quiz um, if, they, if they feel like they need it? It was... It was something I was, it was the number one, as we said, I think science communication should be audience focused and driven. Um, and it was the number one question I would get is people giving me a very specific scenario. Is this safe? Is it risky? What can Mm. I do? And so I realized I had been seeing so much, no, 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 you can't do this. It's really, there's been so much abstinence only messaging, uh, in the press conferences that we're seeing and in, right. in the broad Stay media. Home. Stay yeah. home, yeah. And we know this from, from high school sex ed, telling people don't do it <laughs> and abstinence doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. What works is teaching people how to do it safely. And this is called a harm reduction model. And years of sex education and years of HIV research 
has shown that a harm reduction model where you, instead of stigmatizing, shaming, blaming, and saying no, you empower people with the tools to make the best and safest decision tends to be a lot more effective. Uh, and so I really wanted to give people this tool that could help them make the best decision given the scenario. That way they can plan ahead. That way they know what questions to ask before the gathering so they don't end up in an awkward situation. Plus, many people have to go to work, and so they need to know what questions to go to their employer about with, of like, mm. are you insuring X, Y, Z? Um, so I worked really, really hard on that. It took a long time, and then I sent it to, I think, five different experts um, to give feedback on, and they were super critical and awesome, and we made it way better. Um, and so people can find it on my Instagram uh, at science.sam and also on my website. It, as soon as you go to my website, which is heyscienceam.com, uh, it'll like pop up and you'll see it. And I hope that people use it because it's, I've shared it a few months ago, but it's still relevant mm. and valid even in the context of more transmissible <laughs> variants. Mm. It still has all the things that you should try your best to do. Yeah, I, I mean, like, honestly, even if you don't think you need it, just take a second to go open it up, look at it, go from top to bottom and just see how comprehensive it is. Because it's like, even for myself, like I, I, you know, I, I my, my partner and I are, are thinking about going to uh, the spa in like a, in a week and, nice. you know, numbers are pretty low here. And so yeah. I was like, hmm, maybe I'll just like, maybe yeah. I'll just test myself about this spa idea on this little COVID test. And it was it really put things into perspective for me. Yay. It made me kind of stop and go, okay, wait a minute. Is this what, where is the risk? You know, where does the risk lie? Um, uh, so yeah, please, please, please. I implore you. If you're listening to this, just take a moment, check it out and share it. I mean, it's just, it's Thank such you. a cool piece of, um, it's such a cool thing that to, to just, just have at your disposal and to use, whenever you feel like you just might have a question about whether or not something is safe. And think about how incredible it is to have a resource like that when you when you put that up against where we were like yeah. nine months ago. Yeah. yeah. Fumbling around. I mean, one of the first things we talked about on this podcast when it came to COVID was talking to somebody who we were like, okay, we heard some shit. <laughs> was it true or was it not? I mean, and, yeah, yeah. and it was like, it was like, as soon as you come in the house, wash your clothes, oh take God. a shower. Yeah, yeah. Put right. yourself yeah. in the dryer. Yeah. Like, right. It was yeah, totally yeah. insane. And wipe just, down your bread with oh Lysol. Yeah, right. We just like, knew okay. nothing. And so, yeah, I mean, like, scary times. it's, yeah. I mean, we the should be grateful to have the science is <laughs> should be really grateful to have resources that make sense. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks guys. Um, Sam, I, I mean, you, you've already said it, but just one more time, where can people find you, um, uh, online? I'm science.sam on Instagram and TikTok and say, Hey, science Sam on Twitter and Facebook. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit down and chat with you, Sam. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Well, there you go. That was our conversation with Science Sam. And uh, wow, she certainly knows how to talk better than me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's too bad that we didn't actually, we weren't actually able to to give her to that, give her study, that study, in particular, yeah, yeah. in particular, the one we were talking about before, but you the, know, the Gandhi, the Gandhi's, Gandhi's disease. 
Listen, um, and yeah. uh, listen. You know, if she had had that, she would have been able to tell us exactly what was going on. I I usually prep these episodes, and uh, and I haven't gotten a lot done this week because I had a lung infection, and uh, and then today I was like, I got a lot to do. Fucking today. excuses, dude. It's <laughs> Bell. Let's talk today. I got a. There's a bunch of shit we got to do. And then uh, realized that I hadn't eaten, and then didn't eat, and then and then got in, and was like, "Fuck, we gotta do the episode now." Didn't have anything prepped, and I was like, "Wait, I did click this link a fucking ages ago to think, <laughs> thinking like, hey, that might be interesting to bring up on the show." Didn't vet it at all. <laughs> Started reading it and went, oh, "Fuck." <laughs> oh no, this was garbage. You know, you win some, you lose some. Do, 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 uh, no, I don't <laughs> have one, but Bry, Bry or Lauren, do you guys have a tiny violin that we could take out and play for Jerry right now? <laughs> Yeah, yeah mine's I'm just but... really wondering whether or not I should be touching my cat litter and then putting my fingers in my eye. Well, like that's what I was hoping to learn. You shouldn't put your finger anywhere doing. after you handle cat litter. You a, 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 to- no? a, a toxoplasma infection can be can it's it's not it's not. <laughs> We're on, back. Listen, listen, We're back. Listen, it's not just the cat litter. There's a bunch of ways you can get it. You can get it from eating undercooked uh, meat. Especially pork. I thought you were going to say undercooked cat litter. Um, you can get it from shellfish. You can cook cat litter. You can get it from shellfish, like oysters or clams. Uh, accidental ingestion of of contaminated meat after after handling them and not washing your hands thoroughly. So always wash your hands when you're touching meat. Uh, eating food that was contaminated by knives, utensils. So basically, it's just like fucking food safety. Um, water can be contaminated with it. So just don't drink water. That's, that's a big one there. Don't drink water at all. Um, accidentally. Yeah, but swallow- how much of, how, how much food safety protocol is really just meant to control us? You know? I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, true. Cause like, like government, like, like government control. Is, right? is that the yeah, next right. frontier in conspiracy <laughs> thought? Yeah. I think yeah. we got to look food, into this. Food, safe, food, food safety. safety. Look into it, guys. <laughs> look into it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they're actually, I mean, we don't have to get into this right now, but there is a community, <laughs> oh, no. there, there is a community of, of folks that are really, really dead set on just like, on trying to convince everyone that you don't have to cook your meat. And they're just like, Really hardcore guys, eating raw meat. Guys, we should have more wacky good for on them. the podcast to yeah, talk about stuff like we that. Should. I'm really You're curious. Right, we about should. Their thought process. Same <laughs> Um But yeah, and then the other way you can get it is accidentally swallowing it through contact with cat poop that contains the plat the toxoplasma. Oh, pe- and some people are into that. Oh no. Well, yeah. what else? So, what, what am I going to have for dessert now? <laughs> oh yeah. God. Oh. You, uh, you can also get it mother to child congenital transmission. So if you're pregnant and you get it, you, you give it to your kid, Damn. which explains a lot about you, Taylor. Um, so anyway, uh, this has been great, <laughs> folks. Um, thank you so much for taking time of your day to day to sit down and and uh, listen to a bunch of bullshit be- before we threw to that wonderful conversation with Science Sam. And we highly suggest you go give her a follow because she is just a treat. Uh, Lo, do we have a letter? Sure do. Uh, This is from our friend Etta, uh, who sent us the sweetest letter to letters at sickboypodcast.com. Hello to the Sick Boy Podcast team. My uh, my name is Etta. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said their last name because... I will bleep that out. For privacy. Yep. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) My name is Etta, and I wanted to send a thank you letter. I really appreciate how open and honest you all approach each guest and subject that you cover, and also how the boys grow their understanding towards the LGBTQ plus community. 
People in my area aren't very welcoming to queer individuals. My uncles had to move away because of the harassment, and I'm only out to my family and close friends because who knows what could happen if I was fully out. And it is nice to hear some dude bros talking <laughs> and supporting people like me. Dude bros. Oh yeah. So much. I think that was a dude direct bros. quote right out of Brian's <laughs> mouth. Dude bros. Dude, dude I come bros. from a small... <laughs> dude bro. Bro dude. I come from a small and rural village in New Brunswick. And it is so refreshing to hear people talk openly about things like mental health and illness. I first started listening because I found out a friend of mine was diagnosed with brain cancer years ago and wanted to try and educate myself about what he went through so I could better be there for him if he needed support. I haven't heard all the episodes, but I've listened to a fair amount. I really like the ones you've done about grief and Alzheimer's. I was raised partially by my great-grandmother and she had Alzheimer's. I'm sorry, Etta. Uh, She passed away in 2019 at the age of 96, and as a 17-year-old who felt the loss like a parent, I felt really isolated and alone in what I was going through. So back on topic here, thank you for making this podcast. It's helped me feel less alone in this world and also educates me on some illnesses I had never previously heard of. I think you're doing a good thing for Canadians, and I hope you continue doing this work for as long as it interests you. (laughs) (laughs) For as long as it interests you. Until until we don't give a shit, we'll be doing it. There's a little bit more. Okay. Also, I too am slightly more picked on by my friends because I do dumb shit. So I want Brian to know he's not alone in that regard. Best wishes, Edda. Last name. I'm not alone. I don't feel that way. (laughs) Guys, I'm the cool one. You don't feel isolated? (laughs) No, dude. I never get picked on by you guys. I'm I'm the one always picking on everybody. I'm cool. My name's Brian, and (laughs) I like to skateboard. I'm just kidding. Thanks, Edda. I, uh... I see you too. Uh, yes, Edda, that, that, was, that was very that was that, that was, was a very, very sweet uh, letter. Or was it a Thank you. It was hard to tell. I think it was a duh, a probably a duh. Yeah, it was a duh. I had a you fucked up. We should read the whole letter and not say their name. I grew up. I grew up with someone named Ada. Well, folks, if you wanna if you wanna continue listening to this podcast even after I butchered the whole fucking intro and the, the, all this, all the stuff at the start and the top at the end there. And, and, and you feel like it got, it got there somehow that we, we, we real re- reeled it back in with that great conversation with season with science Sam and, and that uh, amazing letter from a duh. Um, <laughs> I, Ada, just, you guys, it's Ada. Then just keep on listening every Friday, every Monday, we've got episodes coming to you. Uh, and you can listen anywhere you find podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the CBC Listen app. And if you have any sweet little notes that you'd like to send us, uh, such as the one that we just read from Ada, then send them to letters at sickboypodcast.com, and we might read it on the show. So if it's uh, something like that or fan mail, something you just want to send our way, letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be one of our amazing guests, go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact fill out the form and the form the the application the like what's going on thing that's on there and guys uh, and maybe we'll have you on the show that thing, hey, dude bro that thing on there dude man i like to yeah. think of us as sort of like a bro. symphony orchestra and we all mm-hmm. have our own little like you know musical roles that we play together and you know sometimes we're in perfect harmony and we're just making this beautiful music together and sometimes we're we're just not. And that's okay too. And you know, the people who play in our band that I'd like to thank at this part of the show are uh the 
the folks in the trumpet section, um, Taylor McGilvery and Jeremy Saunders, oh. you guys are amazing. Um, the uh, the conductor, uh, the great conductor of the show, Lauren Sankey. Um, the flute section, which is me, Brian Stever. Uh, percussion, that that's Jeff Lonis. And the sound coordinator designer for <laughs> these feel good Friday episodes. I was on a roll with yeah. the analogies and then I sort of lost it there. It's but, a great uh, analogy. Uh, it like really thank, is. I'd like to thank Jeremy Saunders for editing the show and hopefully he cuts out all of these parts. And uh, I'd like to thank the real musician who makes the music happen for this, who is Rich O'Coin. That's it. <laughs> I genuinely wish, a great musician. I wish people could see Taylor's camera right now. You look like uh, you look like every time my dad calls me on Facetime. <laughs> the angle is like I'm looking at your chin. The lighting, no, you're not. That there's like there's no, no it's just the light of like your cell phone, <laughs> guys. And, and dude, and it's, be, no, it's down because and going like, hey buddy, hey it's buddy, because how's, it's how's it because. There, it's January and it gets dark very quickly and it was light when we started and now it's dark and I didn't want to get up and step away. So I have no lights on in here. So I'm just, I'm just recording by the glow of my laptop and it's very nice. It's actually hurting my eyes. Well, we nailed this one, guys. Good job. That's Don't it worry. for this I week. I screenshotted it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian. <laughs> I'm Taylor. <laughs> I'm Brian. I'm Lauren. <laughs> What? Let's all just I'm Taylor. Let's all just say it. Well, that's just all the I'm, I'm Jeremy too. I'm Jeremy. I'm, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm Taylor <laughs> and Lauren. Hell. Have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs>